We're going to be learning the final piece in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi. This is the only piece in Hilchus Mamrim, Perek Zayin, Halacha Zayin. And in this piece, Rab Chaim is going to analyze the punishment of Malkus, of lashes, that a Ben Sorer Umora gets. So a Ben Sorer Umora is a unique Halacha that the Torah gave, which is that a kid who steals money and buys meat and wine and eats it gets the death penalty. Now, the Gemara said that this never happened, but on a theoretical level, it suspends a lot of the normal rules because ordinarily someone would not get the death penalty for such minor crimes. So this is an unusual case. Now, the basic process is that the first time the kid does it, they get lashes. And the second time they do it, they get the death penalty. So Rab Chaim is going to explore what role the lashes play in the overall process of the Mensora Umora. The Rambam writes, Ketzer Donin Ben Sorer Umora. How do we judge a Ben Sorer Umora? First, his mother and his father bring him to a court of three judges. And they bring two witnesses that he stole money from his father and he bought meat and wine. And then he ate them after he was warned. So as a result, he gets lashes like other people who violate the laws of the Torah get lashes. So if he does it again, he steals money, buys meat and wine and eats it. So now they bring him to the court of 23 judges because since this is now a capital offense, he's going to get the death penalty. So that can only be done at a higher level court with 23 judges. And they bring the two witnesses. After the witnesses come, they check to make sure that his pubic hair hasn't totally grown in because if the pubic hair totally grew in so then he no longer becomes a Ben Sorer Umora. Ben Sorer Umora only applies at a very specific time which is when he starts puberty until the end of puberty but once he's fully an adult so then he can no longer become a Ben Sorer Umora. So before they sentence him to the death penalty they have to check to make sure that he hasn't completed puberty now he's an adult, in which case he would not get the death penalty. But if it turns out that lo hikif, his pubic hair has not totally grown in, so he's at that point between the start of puberty and the end of puberty, so then gomrin dino kederach kol haruge bezdin vesoklinoso, then they complete his sentence and he gets the death penalty and they give him skila. So that's how the Rambam describes the process of the Ben Sorer Umora. Now, because if Mishnah asks a question, which is, why didn't the Rambam mention that they check to to see if the pubic hair completed growing in before they give him malchus as well because the same thing should apply just like they wouldn't give him the death penalty if he's fully an adult so too they shouldn't give him the malchus if he's fully an adult so the assumption of the Kesef Mishnah's question is that the Malkus of Ben Sorer Umora is also specifically related to this person being a child. But if he's an adult, just like he doesn't get the death penalty of Ben Sorer Umora, he also doesn't get the Malkus of Ben Sorer Umora. So that's how the Kesef Mishnah understands it. And that's why he assumes that if someone became an adult after they stole the money and drank the wine and ate the meat, they're not going to get the Malkus of Ben Sorer 
Umora, just like they wouldn't get the death penalty. So Rab Chaim is going to disagree with this assumption, and he's going to offer three different options for how to understand this differently than the Kesef Mishnah. The first two are very similar. First, says Rab Chaim, that the source for this halacha, that if a Ben Sora Umora grows up, they become an adult before the Gmardin, before the court sentences them, so at that point their halacha changes and they don't get the punishment. So this comes from the Gemara in Sanhedrin Ayin Aleph, Barach Adshlo Nigmar Dino, if someone ran away, they escaped the court before the sentencing, and then they hit puberty, so they don't get the death sentence, even if they're recaptured and tried in court, because their whole halacha changed. If they would do the same action now, they would not get the death penalty because they're already an adult, so they're not a Ben Sora Umora. So because if they did it now, they would not get the death penalty since the sentencing was not completed beforehand, even though they did the action beforehand when they should have gotten the death penalty, but they can't be sentenced now. So that's the basis for this halacha. That's why the Rambam rules that before the court sentences the Ben Sora Umora to the death penalty, they have to check to make sure that he has not hit puberty. So now Rab Chaim suggests that there's a fundamental difference between the punishment of death versus the punishment of Malkus for a Ben Sora Umora. When it comes to the death penalty, that's specifically given to someone who meets every criteria of Ben Sora Umora. And there are a lot of halachas, a lot of details in order to be considered in that category. So for example, the person can't be an adult. They have to be a child. They can't be a parent. So it can't be someone who's already a father. So there's a lot of details in order to be considered a Ben Sora Umora. And if someone does not meet one of those qualifications, so then they lose the status of a Ben Sora Umora and they don't get the death penalty. So that's how it works when it comes to the punishment of Misa. As opposed to Malkus, which works differently. That's a regular punishment of lashes, just like violating any prohibition in the Torah. So this kid who stole money and bought meat and wine and then ate and drank it so he violated the prohibition of losochlu al-hadam which is a prohibition to behave like a ben sorer umore so that's why he gets lashes it's not specifically because he's a ben sorer umore it's because he violated the law of the Torah now it's true that the criteria for violating this prohibition of losochlu al-hadam is parallel to becoming a ben sorer umore because the whole prohibition here is not to be a ben sorer umore so it's exactly the same criteria to violate this prohibition as to become a Ben Sora Umora. So if someone's an adult and they do the same thing, or if they're already a father, or if they don't meet one of the qualifications, then they would not violate the prohibition of Losochlu al-Hadam. That's a specific prohibition for someone who meets all the qualifications of a Ben Sora Umora. But still, even though practically the punishment of Misa and Malkus look similar, there's a key conceptual decision distinction here. When it comes to Misa, it's not being given for a violation of a prohibition. It's being given because someone meets the criteria of Ben Sora Umora. As opposed to the punishment of Malkus, which is not given just for being a Ben Sora Umora, it's given for the violation of the prohibition in the Torah. And this idea, Rab Chaim also mentioned earlier in Hilchus Gerushin in his discussion about when we would punish a child. So he got involved in this case and he explained also that the death penalty for Ben Sora Umora is not a punishment because they violated the rules of the Torah, but rather it's a halacha 
that someone who becomes a ben sora umora gets the death penalty. So he's saying the same thing in this piece. So now, based on this distinction, says Rab Chaim, there's going to be a practical difference in a case where someone hits puberty before the sentencing. When it comes to the chi of misa, so we can't give this person the death penalty once they become an adult, even though what they did, they did when they were a child. So at that time, they would have gotten the death penalty. But since in the meantime, they've become an adult. So at the point of sentencing, they would not have gotten the death penalty if they did it at that time. So that's another one of the halachas of Ben Sora Umora that we cannot sentence them to the death penalty since at this time, they're already not in the same status that they were when they did it. So that's one of the details of Ben Sora Umora that they need to be a child, not only when they did the action, but also at the moment of sentencing. But that's totally different than the punishment of Malkus, which is not directly related to them being a Ben Sora Umora. It's based on what they did. And at the moment when they did the violation, they were a child. So at that time, they did fully violate Los Sochlu al-Hadam. They committed the prohibition because they were a child. So they met all the criteria of this prohibition. So at this point, they deserve the Malkus, even if they became an adult in the meantime, because the sentencing is based on what they did in the past. So because the Ben Sora Umora is not directly related to the punishment of Malkus, that's a punishment for the prohibition that they did. And when they did the prohibition, they were a child. So they did violate this prohibition. So therefore, we can sentence them even when they become an adult. The only time that becoming an adult will affect the sentencing is if the status of the child is directly related to what the court is about to sentence, which is the case in the Misa. The court is sentenced him to the death penalty directly because of the fact that he is a Ben Sorer Umora, and for that he must be a child. But when it comes to Malkus, the court is not sentencing him to Malkus directly because he's a Ben Sorer Umora. It's sentencing him to Malkus because of what he did in the past, and at that time he met the criteria. So it doesn't matter if he became an adult, and that explains why the Rambam doesn't mention anything about checking the child to see if he hit puberty before the Malkus, because it doesn't matter they would still sentence him to Malkus even if he's already become an adult in the meantime. Only before sentencing him to death, then they have to check whether he hit puberty beforehand because if in fact he's an adult, then they will not give him the death sentence. So this is Rab Chaim's first formulation and it disagrees with the Kesef Mishnah's approach. According to the Kesef Mishnah, the Malkus and the Misa are parallel. In both cases, if the person becomes an adult before the sentencing, they will not get the punishment. Whereas Rab Chaim differentiates, that all only applies to the Misa punishment. There, the person has to continue to be a child, even at the point of sentencing, as opposed to the Malkus, which is less directly related to the person being a Ben Sora Umora. It has to do with them having violated the prohibition of the Torah. So there, even if they become an adult in the meantime, they still get the Malkus punishment. But now Rab Chaim asks on this approach, because the Gemara in Sanhedrin at the beginning of Perak Ben Umora says that we would have thought that a kid could get the death penalty for Ben Sora Umora 
even before they hit puberty at all. So even when they're fully a child. Now, how could a child get a punishment? We never punish children in halacha. So the answer is because since Ben Sora Umora is such a unique case, Al Shem Sofo Nehrag, he's not really being killed for what he did right now, for the actions that he did, which would not warrant the death penalty. He's being killed because the Torah sees where this is going to go eventually. So in the same way, we would have thought that even when he's a child, he could get killed. So the same way we give the death penalty, even though it's disproportionate to the crimes, so too, says the Gemara, we might have thought that we give the death penalty even to a child. So the Gemara says that, no, we only give it once the person hits puberty, so now it's like bar mitzvah age. But says Rab Chaim, according to his distinction, that the punishment of Malkus comes about for the violation of the law of the Torah, it's not directly related to the person being being a Ben Sorer Umore. So how did the Gemara ever think that there was a possibility of a child pre-puberty becoming a Ben Sorer Umore? Even though it's possible for them to get the death penalty, but there's no way for them to get Malkus because there's no way to punish them for violating the law of the Torah. And the Malkus does not come directly from being a Ben Sorer Umore. So it could never apply to a child pre-puberty. Now, if there's no Malkus, says Rab Chaim, there cannot be any death penalty because the way the Torah describes the Ben Sorer Umore, it's the Yosru Oso, that he gets the Malkus and then later he gets the the death penalty. So if this nine or 10 year old kid is not able to get Malkus, then they also cannot get the death penalty. So according to Rab Chaim's approach, there would be no way for a child pre-puberty to get the Malkus because they're not held responsible for violating the laws of the Torah. And if they can't get Malkus, then they can't get the death penalty. So the fact that the Gemara entertains the possibility that maybe they would have gotten the death penalty says that unlike Rab Chaim, but rather like the Kesef Mishnah, the Malkus is also directly related to this kid being a Ben Sora Umora. It's not because they violated the laws of the Torah. So that's why it could have possibly applied even to a small nine or 10 year old kid. So if that's the case, once they become a full adult in the meantime, before the sentencing, they shouldn't get the Malkus either. So now we're back to the Kesef Mishnah's question. So Rab Chaim says that even though his first formulation won't work, but there is still a way to say this overall idea in a more technical way, which will answer the Kesef Mishnah. And that is, according to the second formulation, both the Malkus and the Misa are directly related to this person being a Ben Sorer Umora. So the reason he gets Malkus is only because he meets the qualifications of a Ben Sorer Umora. So that explains how the Gemara could have suggested that even a a child pre-puberty could get not only the Misa, but also the Malkus. But now going to the other side of the spectrum, why does the Rambam imply that if this kid became a full adult in the meantime, they would still get the Malkus, even if the sentencing is after they became an adult? So says Rab Chaim, because there's still a technical difference between the punishment of Misa and Malkus. When the Torah gives all the qualifications that this kid can't be a full adult, and they 
can't be a father, and that whole list, that was directly referring to the punishment of Misa. So the whole list of what constitutes a Ben Sora Umora is referring to the punishment of Misa. As opposed to the Malkus, where the Torah just says a general rule that it's only given to a Ben Sora Umora, but it didn't give this whole specific list specifically when it came to the punishment of Malkus. The list is reserved for the punishment of Misa. Now again, it's true, both the Malkus and the Misa require the person to meet the qualifications of a Ben Sorer Umora, but still there is a difference because when it comes to Misa, if the person becomes a full adult, so they no longer meet the qualifications before the sentencing, then the court no longer sentences them to the death penalty. As opposed to the Malkus, even though when they become a full adult, they're no longer a Ben Sorer Umora, so they don't meet those qualifications, but since the Torah did not explicitly state all the qualifications, including that it can't be an adult with regards to the punishment of Malkus, so the court will sentence them to Malkus even though they became a full adult in the meantime. So that's Rab Chaim's second approach. Now Rav Shach and Avi Ezri explains this. He has a formulation which is even more technical, but it's very clear. And that is that what Rab Chaim's trying to say is that when it comes to the Misa, the Torah said two things. That it's only given to a Ben Sorer Umora, which has all the qualifications. And then it also applied the actual qualifications to the Misa. So in order to get that punishment, a person needs to meet the actual qualifications over and above the fact that they need to be a Ben Sora Umora. As opposed to the Malkus, where the Torah again said that it's only given to a Ben Sora Umora, but it did not repeat each of the qualifications itself. So according to Rab Chaim, that means that if the person becomes a full adult before the sentencing, after they committed the crime, so given this framework, it's only going to affect the Misa. Because since the Torah said that over and above being a Ben Sora Umora, when it comes to Misa, they need to meet each of the qualifications. And this person is now a full adult, so they no longer meet the qualifications. So the court cannot sentence them to death. As opposed to the Malkus, where the Torah just said they need to be a Ben Sora Umora, and when they ate the food, so when they violated the crime, they were a Ben Sora Umora because they were younger at that point. So there the court could sentence them to Malkus even though they became a full adult in the meantime because the Torah didn't repeat each of these qualifications when it comes to giving the Malkus. So that's the way he formulates Rab Chaim's idea. Again, it's similar to the first approach, but it backs off from the more radical formulation that the Malkus does not come from being a Ben Umora, it comes from violating the prohibition associated with Ben Umora. Now Rab Chaim saying that both the Malkus as well as the Misa come from being a Ben Umora, but there is a technical difference between the way the Torah presented them. Now Rab Shach has a question on this whole approach because he says if according to Rab Chaim you don't need all the details of these rules regarding a Ben Umora for the punishment of Malkus those only apply to the Misa so why does the Rambam say explicitly that the father and the mother have to bring the child to court not only for the death penalty but even the first time for the Malkus? That's one of the rules of Ben Sorer Umora. The Torah says Vitofsu Oso Imo that his parents have to bring him. So that's one of the details of Ben Sorer Umora and according to Rab Chaim it should only apply for the death penalty not for the Malkus. And that's not one of the details that defines which case 
kid is in the category of Ben Sorer Umora. It's a detail as to how the process of Ben Sorer Umora needs to play out. So if it's true that we don't need that exact process for the Malkus, so why does the Rambam say explicitly that the father and the mother have to bring him even in order to give him Malkus? So according to Rav Shach, that indicates that the details do apply to the Malkus as much as the Misa. Now, in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim suggests a third answer to the Kesef Mishnah, and this is in a totally different direction. Rab Chaim says that this whole concept of Ishtani Dina, Ishtani Ketala, that if someone's status changed, so their sentencing also has to change. So if between the crime and the sentencing, someone's status changed, the sentencing needs to reflect that. That whole concept only applies to death penalty cases. It does not apply to any other punishments. So that's going to be a simple answer why the Rambam doesn't have them check the child before the Malkus because it doesn't matter whether he changed. Nothing to do with the specific rules of Ben Sora Umora. It's a general rule in Halacha that changing status only affects death penalty cases, not any other punishments. And Rab Chaim has an interesting proof for this idea based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara there asks, what's the difference between the first case in the Mishnah where the person became an adult before they were sentenced. So the Mishnah ruled that after that, they can no longer be given the death penalty for Ben Sora Umora versus the second case of the Mishnah. If after the person got the death penalty, so they were already sentenced, then they escaped. So they were not killed before they became a full adult. So they still get killed after that. So why do we kill someone if they're no longer in the status of a Ben Sora Umora because they're a full adult. So the Gemara answers that case is different because since the sentencing was completed, Gavra Katilahu, he's like a dead man walking. It's as if he was killed under Halacha already just because he was sentenced to death. So basically the difference between whether the person becomes an adult before the sentencing or after is that we won't sentence an adult to death for the crime of Ben Sora Umora because at this point they're an adult. But once they've already been sentenced, even if they become an adult, it doesn't make a difference because on some level, it's like they were already killed. So it doesn't matter what happens subsequent to that. And the Rambam himself records this idea in Halacha Test. Anyone that's sentenced to death by the Beistin, it's as if they're already killed and they have no blood. So that's the explanation for the distinction in the Mishnah. Now, based on this, says Rab Chaim, the whole thing only applies to the death penalty. So if someone is sentenced to the death penalty and then they become an adult. So at that point, the rules don't change any longer because they're a dead man walking and they can still get the death penalty. But if we apply this logic to the case of Malkus, so if the court sentences someone to Malkus and then they become a full adult before they got the Malkus. So according to the logic in the Gemara explained by the Rambam, they should no longer get that Malkus anymore because since now they're an adult, their status changed. They would not get the Malkus for doing the same action at this point in time. And we don't apply Gavra Katilahu. There's no such concept that as soon as the court sentences someone to Malkus, it's as if they already got the 
Malkus. So absent that logic, once the person becomes an adult, whether it's before the sentencing of Malkus or even after the sentencing of Malkus, they should no longer get punished with Malkus. So if so, then it seems like the Rambam should have told us this halacha because this is a very original new idea that even someone who was sentenced to Malkus for being a Ben Sora Umore and then becomes an adult no longer gets the punishment. So why did the Rambam omit any mention of this new application of Ishtani Dina in the punishment of Malkus? So basically what Rab Chaim's doing is he's saying, forget about the Kesef Mishnah's smaller question. Why didn't the Rambam mention checking the kid before sentencing him to Malkus to see if he became an adult? Now Rab Chaim has an even broader question, which is why didn't the Rambam mention even after the sentencing of Malkus, if at any point this person becomes a full adult, they no longer get the Malkus. So based on this, says Rab Chaim, it must mean that the whole idea of Ishtani Dina, this whole concept that if the person changes status, we change the punishment, does not apply to Malkus at all. So it doesn't matter if the person became an adult before the sentencing or after the sentencing, in no way is it going to affect either the sentencing or the actual punishment of Malkus. The only time the Gemara discusses that idea is when it comes to the death penalty. So this answers the Kesef Mishnah's question because the whole concept of Ishtani Dina really applies to death penalty cases. That's why the Rambam only mentions checking before the sentencing. After the sentencing, it no longer matters if the person becomes an adult. They still get the death penalty carried out as opposed to Malkus where it doesn't ever make a difference so long as when they did the action, they were in the right spot in the middle of puberty. So even if they become an adult afterwards before the sentencing or after, they're still going to get Malkus. So that is Rab Chaim's third approach to answer the question of the Kesef Mishnah. Now, Rav Shach in the Avi Ezri and Hilchus Malach in Paragimel Halacha Zayin questions this final approach of Rab Chaim as well because he points out that the Gemara in Subis on Memhei applies the concept of Ishtani Dino also to being obligated in a carbon. So that goes against Rab Chaim's theory that the whole concept only applies in capital cases. Here, the Gemara is applying it also to the obligation to bring a carbon. Now, what about Rab Chaim's proof? So Rav Shach argues that the way to understand when the Gemara says Gavra Katilahu, that he's like a dead man walking, is not literally. It doesn't literally mean that when it comes to capital cases, once the court hands down a death sentence, it's like the person's already been killed, in which case this doesn't apply to any other punishments. That's the way Rab Chaim understands it, very literally, and that's why he argues that it doesn't apply in cases of Malkus. Rab Shach says that you could understand it less literally. It means once the court has handed down the sentence, this person now becomes obligated in it. So if it was a death sentence, that sentence is going to remain. It's not going to change even if they become a full adult. So even if their status changes, Ishtani Dina, once the sentence has been handed down, that's final. So if that's the meaning of that line in the Gemara, then that would also apply to the Malkus. Once the sentence has been handed down, so it's going to apply even if the person becomes an adult. So according to Rav Shach's interpretation, you could defend the approach of the Kesef Mishnah in the Rambam that if the person becomes an adult after the sentencing, they're going to continue to get whatever they were sentenced to, either Malkus or Misa. If they become an adult before the sentencing, so then they would not get sentenced to either punishment. But then, of course, the Kesef Mishnah has his question on the Rambam's organization of these halachas, why he omitted that detail. Now, there's other achronim who deal with the question of the Kesef Mishnah. So the Lechem Mishnah in his commentary, he suggests a simple distinction, which is that according to the Rambam, 
Rambam, we don't need to check before the Malkus because since that's not as severe a punishment, so we can assume that this kid is not a full adult because that's what they were originally. So we don't need to check. But giving the death penalty is a much more serious punishment. So there, even though there's a Chazaka, we could assume that this person's not a full adult yet, but still we have to check because it's so serious. But the Lechemishna doesn't like this because he says it's not so clear that this logic is true. So what's the source for the Rambam to make this distinction? But that would be a simple solution. Now, the Minchas Chinoch in Mitzvah Reish Mem Ches Sifkat Yutes. So he doesn't seem all that bothered by this whole issue. And he says that probably they did check before sentencing the person to Malkus, but the Rambam didn't mention it for whatever reason. He's a little bit bothered by it, but he basically says that it seems clear that they would check before the Malkus, just like before the Misa. Now, the Orsameach also has a solution to this problem, and he suggests that the Gemara at times implies that Malkus and paying a fine are interchangeable. So the Gemara has a whole question, if there's a crime for which the person owes money as well as Malkus, which one do they get? So since they're interchangeable, says the Arsameach, that's why we don't apply Ishtani Dina if someone becomes an adult that they don't get the Malkus of Ben Sora Umora. Because if an adult would do what the Ben Sora Umora did, so they steal money and buy meat and wine, and eat it, so then they would have to pay back Kefel, double what they stole. So that's a fine. So it's not that if a child does it, then they get Malkus, and if an adult does it, they get nothing. It's that if a child does it, they get Malkus, and if an adult does it, they also get a punishment, which is a fine of paying back double. So there is some continuity between those two punishments. They're related to each other. So we don't say Ishtani Dina, that if someone becomes an adult, they don't get the Malkus, since if they did it as an adult, they would have had a fine. So even if they become an adult before the sentencing, they still get the malchus. As opposed to the death penalty, there there's no continuity if they become an adult. So if they're a child, they get the death penalty. If they're an adult, they have to pay double, but that's not related to the death penalty. It's a totally different punishment. So there's no continuity between the death penalty of a bensora umora for a child versus what an adult would get. There's a total break in a halachic sense. If an adult did that action, they would get no punishment, even though they're paying a fine, but it's totally unrelated to the death penalty. So that's why there's Ishtani Dina, that if the kid grows up in the meantime and they become an adult, they won't get the death penalty. So that's how the Orsameach explains this, that Ishtani Dina only applies to the death penalty, not to the Malkus. So basically we have a big debate in the Achronim how to understand this Rambam. Do they check before they give the Malkus. According to the Kesef Mishnah and the Minchas Chinuch, they do. Whereas according to the Lechem Mishnah, Rab Chaim and the Orsameach, they do not check before the Malkus, either because it doesn't make a difference, according to Rab Chaim and the Orsameach, or because they rely on a Chazaka, it would make a difference, but they don't check because Malkus is a lower level punishment, according to the Lechem Mishnah. So that's the big debate, how to understand this Halacha in the Rambam. Do they check before Malkus the way they check before the death penalty? Now, Rab Chaim in this piece also takes a stance on another issue, and this is also a debate with the Minchas Chinuch. The Minchas Chinuch writes that if the Ben Sora Umora ran away the first time he stole the money, before the court could sentence him to Malkus, and then he stole money again and did the whole process again, and then they caught him and brought him back to court, so at that point, they can sentence him both to the Malkus and the Misa. In other words, it doesn't need to be the exact process that 
that the Torah set up, that he steals and gets caught, gets sentenced to Malkus, then gets Malkus, then steals again and gets caught, and then again gets sentenced to Misa. It doesn't need to be that exact chronological order. So long as he steals and eats twice and gets judged twice, so even if in the middle he didn't get the Malkus, he only gets the Malkus after the second eating, he can still get Malkus and Misa at the same time. That's how the Minchas Chinuch understands this. Now, Reb Chaim in this piece disagrees with that because he said explicitly that in order to get the Misa, there needs to have been Malkus between the first eating and the second eating. So it has to be eat, then Malkus, then steal and eat again after the Malkus, and then the Misa. And there's a number of Achronim that agree with Reb Chaim's view, including the Torah Chaim on Sanhedrin Ayn Aleph Amad Beis, the Sanhedrin Ktana, Sanhedrin Peivav Amad Beis, as well as the Arsameach in his comments on Hilchus Mamrim Perek Zayin and other Achronim. And even in the Rishonim, interestingly, the Ralbag and the Abar Benel in their commentaries on Dvarim, so they also say like Rab Chaim's approach. And the key point of the debate seems to be that according to the Menchas Chinuch, the Malkus is not intrinsic to the Misa of the Ben Sorer Umora. They're two different rules. The Torah gave the punishment of Malkus as well as the punishment of Misa, but it's not that the Malkus is part of the process leading to the Misa. On the other hand, Rab Chaim seems to see it that the Malkus is a part of the very process that brings this kid to become a Ben Soru Mora in order to get the Misa. Without the Malkus originally, there's no way to get to the next step. So the Malkus is part of the whole process. And of course, that's part of Rab Chaim's whole discussion in this piece. What role exactly does the Malkus play in the overall process and originally he thought it was more separate from the overall process of becoming a Ben Soromora and then finally he says that it's intrinsic to the whole process. And our Sameach formulates this even more strongly. He believes that the Malkus and the Misa are interrelated such so that if this Malkus won't bring to Misa, so then we wouldn't even do the Malkus to begin with. So it's not just a one-way street that the Malkus leads to Misa, but if there's no Misa, then there also wouldn't be Malkus originally. So that's how he explains why the mother and the father have to bring the kid to the court the first time for the Malkus, even though the Torah specified, that the parents have to bring him to court with regards to Misa. So why is that detail necessary also the first time for the Malkus? So the Rosameach explains, because if the parents don't bring him, then this is not a court case that's going to lead to Misa eventually, so we also don't give Malkus. So the Malkus has to meet all the full details of what's necessary the second time to create the Misa. And based on this, Dar Sameach says that there was a period in Jewish history after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash when the Beistin could no longer judge capital cases because they couldn't give the death penalty any longer because there was no Beis HaMikdash, but they did have the authority to judge Malkus. So they could still give the punishment of lashes. But still, says Dar Sameach, they would not give the Malkus of Ben Sorer Umora. Even though they could give other punishments of Malkus, they could not do Ben Sorer Umora because it was not a Malkus that would lead to Misa, so there's no Malkus at all. So the Rosameach formulates this even more strongly that the Malkus and the Misa are totally interrelated. They both come from the Ben Sorer Umore ruling, and if that halacha doesn't apply fully, then neither of them applies. So that's another debate how to see this overall.
overall issue, whether the malchus is part of the process and related to the misa or it's separate. Now, Reb Chaim's formulation of this just seems very practical, that since the Torah said it needs to be eating, then malchus, then eating, then death, so that's the way it has to be. It can't be done out of order. But there is a logic to this as well, and that is that the point of the malchus is to give the kid a chance to repent and see if he can go in a different direction. So the idea here is that after he steals and eats once, he then gets punished. And if he can change course, so then he won't be punished again. But if he keeps going in this direction and he steals and eats again, so then he gets the death penalty. So that's why it can't be done out of order that the death penalty is given after the second eating, because then the kid never has a chance to repent after the punishment of Malchus and see if he can pull it together, go in a different direction before he gets the death penalty. So that makes a lot of sense of Rab Chaim's approach to this issue. So this brings us to the end of the Sefer, Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi. And for those of you who have been with me from the beginning, this has been a long journey, but we've also learned a tremendous amount through it, not only information, but also how to analyze, how to think, how to approach in halacha. Rab Chaim's ideas, and I don't think it's an exaggeration, are incomparable. There's really nothing else out there like this. The way he formulates an idea, the way he sets it up, so often after I struggled through a long and difficult piece, I would just stand back after I understood what he was trying to say, and I would be amazed at the tapestry, the brilliance, the beauty that just unfolds once he's done. So it has been a tremendous privilege for me to play some small role in sharing and spreading these ideas further. I have tried throughout to do justice to the ideas, to understand them as best as I could, and communicate them with all their nuance as clearly as possible, but I shudder to think of the many, many mistakes that I no doubt made. But still, I hope that these recordings will serve as a resource on Line for many years to come so that people who are trying to understand the Rab Chaim or get stuck on a point can turn to these recordings and hopefully it will help them. I thank everyone that has helped me to reach this point. I thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all his support of everything that we do. And I thank everyone that's listened. Seeing those listens and knowing that there were people on this journey with me has given me strength through some of the toughest pieces when I was struggling to understand them and put them on a podcast. But knowing that there were other people with me in this helped me get through it so often. So anyone that's listened in the past few years has played a helpful role in getting us to this point, And I hope that we'll all have the merit to study many more Svarim and good health and happiness.